If there's one point our Lord makes clear in today's gospel, it's that praying and bragging are not the same thing. I give thee thanks, O God, that I am not like the rest of men. Praying and bragging are not the same thing. As inspired word of God says in James 4, 6, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Okay. If praying and bragging aren't the same thing, how are we supposed to pray? Obviously, we need to pray with humility. And our Lord also tells us in Luke 18.1 to pray always. So we should pray with humility and pray always. Okay, Father, that's easy for you to say, but just how are we supposed to pray always with humility? Today, we'll take a quick look at one very fruitful and yet very easy way to do just that. This method of prayer is so easy that everyone here that's old enough to understand this can do it. Following the lead of spiritual writers, we'll call this method of prayer contemplation through the senses. Why is it called contemplation through the senses? Well, in terms of the senses, it's easy to understand if we keep in mind that our senses, our sense of sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch, those are the means by which we keep in contact with the exterior world, the world around us. And in this method of prayer, we use these God-given powers, our senses, to grow in virtue. It's called contemplation because the basic idea here is for us to notice, to contemplate to consider, to marvel, to appreciate the traces of wisdom or beauty or order or goodness of God that are reflected in the creatures that surround us. Everything that we can sense, all persons, places, and things, are creatures. So in some way, as creatures, they all reflect something about their creator. Creatures reflect something about the creator. So if we pay attention, we can see some quality of God's beauty, wisdom, and goodness shining forth in them. This idea is found throughout sacred scripture. For example, Psalm 18.1 begins, The heavens show forth the glory of God. And of course, anyone who's ever laid out at clear dark night with all the stars above them, maybe watching a meteor shower or the northern lights shimmering up there, can't help but realize that the heavens show forth the glory of God. As we're watching the stars, the meteors, the northern lights shimmering around, that realization or that thought, the consideration that God hung all that beauty up in the sky just for us to appreciate, is an example of what we mean by contemplation through our senses. Now, it's easy to see when we're talking about the stars, but how are we supposed to practice this in more ordinary situations? Let's just take a few common examples to illustrate. Imagine you have a nectarine. You're biting into it. That red-orange color, that smell, that taste, the nectarine juice, the way it feels as you're chewing on it, from all eternity, God knew how good all those things would be. And he created all those great sensations and then put them all together in that one nectarine just 
as a present for us when we eat it. Or if we're eating an ice cream cone, the taste and the feel and the texture and the consistency of that ice cream cone, all those good things are presents. They're presents all packed in that puny little piece of food by God who loves us. That's why they're there. So we taste or smell some food, if we're practicing this contemplation through senses, we can think about and appreciate and enjoy all the good things that we're sensing. And then, we, as we're doing that, we want to pass through that, lift up our minds, and thank God that from all eternity, He wanted us to enjoy that right then and there. It can also make us think about how loving and beautiful and providential He is, Consider what an incredible loving father he must be, since he does all these great things for us. The saints know this. When St. Mary Magdalene Capazzi would look at a flower or an apple, she'd say within herself, From eternity, my God has thought of creating this fruit for my sake, to give me a proof of the love that he has for me. And then she'd be overwhelmed with feelings of the divine love. Instead of food, we can think about things, an early morning sunrise, the giggle of a little baby, a well-executed football play, the smell of a freshly mown field of hay, the song of a cardinal, or what it feels like to squish mud between your toes, or the sound of a steam locomotive, or how it looks when the sunlight hits the dew on a spider web, or smell of coffee or snow blowing in your face. All the beauty and the order and the goodness of those things, all the beauty and the order and the goodness in anything we come across is just a little tiny reflection of the infinite beauty and order and goodness of the good God that created them. And keep in mind that this beauty and order and goodness is something that only man can appreciate through his senses. We're the only ones that can appreciate this through our senses. He's done all that for us. It's specifically for us. From all eternity, God planned to put all those good things into whatever we're considering just as a present for us. The saints know this. When St. Simon Sallow would be walking through the fields and he saw flowers and other plants, he'd start whacking them with his walking stick. Why? He'd say, be silent, be silent. You reproach me for not loving that God who has made you so beautiful for my sake that I might be persuaded to love him. I've already heard you, now stop it. Don't reprove me anymore. Now be silent. And he'd keep whacking all little flowers and plants as he's going by. Father, didn't you say that contemplation to the senses would allow everyone here that understands it to pray always with humility? What does this have to do with humility? As we cultivate this habit, we begin to notice what a really wonderful world this is. Now, we're not talking about the spirit of the world, which is one of the enemies of our salvation. We're talking about creation. We're talking about all the good creatures God's made. And as we get in the habit of seeing all this beauty and order and goodness, and we see it in things and we refer it to the good God that made it, we can't help but grow in humility. Why? Because on the one hand, we begin to get a dim notion of how incredibly much God must love us, since from all eternity, He's put all these delights, He's sprinkled them throughout all the creation, just as gifts for us. Now on the other hand, in the face of all this incredible goodness and beauty and order, 
we begin to get a dim idea of really how much we haven't done, how little we deserve this, how ungrateful we are, how ungrateful we've been, and how much, how really much, we owe the good God, this infinitely beautiful, generous, and loving God that's done all this for us. And at the same time we realize how little we've done to show him how much we appreciate his care for us. Everyone can stop and think, how often have we said grace mechanically, or maybe not at all, when we eat? We're given thanks after we've eaten, or even when we're eating, appreciate the fact that God gave us that food. It's something we can all ponder. See, this practice leads us to consider God and our surroundings and to be humbled in the face of that consideration. Of course, the saints know this. When St. Teresa of Avila would see the beauty of the plains, or the sea, or the rivers, or other beautiful creatures, she felt as if they reproached her with her ingratitude towards God. We should remember this practice of contemplation through the senses doesn't apply only to nature, or considering a well-made tool like a good axe, or a nice rifle, or a steam locomotive, or a great cathedral, or a beautiful piece of music, this practice applies also to both the practical arts, like carpentry, or welding, or gunsmithing, and also to the fine arts, like architecture, or sculpture, or painting, and especially music. What are we saying when we say that? We're saying that well done, or well made pieces of human art, works of human art, well done works which express some sense of order or of beauty are actually aids for us to contemplate the beauty and order and goodness of God. Now that's an idea that's really worth each one of us pondering. It has huge implications for our surroundings, our homes, our public areas, our whole civic life, and the dignity of our work. There's a lot of implications there, but every one of us can unfold those on its own. Okay, Father, let's see if we have this right. Contemplation through the senses means that we should develop the habit of noticing or considering or marveling at whatever qualities of goodness or beauty or order that we see in the creatures around us, and then let that marvel or wonder lead our minds to consider the wisdom or beauty or goodness of the God that left those qualities there for us? Yes, that's right. Keep in mind that the church understands this concept perfectly. Listen carefully to the selection from the Council of Trent. Quote, Having the nature he does, man cannot easily meditate on divine things without external helps. For this reason, Holy Mother Church has instituted certain rites for the Mass, namely, that some parts are to be said in a low tone of voice, and some are to be said more loudly. She has also made use of ceremonies such as sacred blessings, candles, incense, vestments, and many other things of this kind which come down from apostolic teaching and tradition. All of these things are used to show forth the majesty of this great sacrifice and to raise the minds of the faithful through these visible signs of religion and piety 
to the contemplation of the most sublime things which lie hidden in this sacrifice. Close quote, the Council of Trent. What is the Council saying? That the movements, volumes, postures, vestments, colors, music, light, fragrances, and architecture of the Divine Liturgy, which have come down to us from the teaching and traditions of the Apostles, are specifically designed for our nature, the nature which the God-man assumed, the unchanging nature of man. And all these aspects of the traditional liturgy are aimed at accomplishing one thing and one thing only, to make it easy for us by contemplating these things through our senses to penetrate into the spiritual mysteries of the Holy Sacrifice. As we practice the contemplation of the senses right here at Holy Mass, these ceremonies, which were specifically designed for our nature and which come down to us from the apostolic teaching and traditions, these ceremonies are designed to exciting us a sense of awe and esteem and humility and holy fear and love of the majesty and power of the Almighty God. And they're also designed to excite in us those same thoughts and emotions about the ineffably holy sacrifice that's being offered here to the Father on this altar. And as long as we're doing this in a state of grace, as long as we're assisting at Holy Mass in a state of grace, we have the gifts of the Holy Ghost, those spiritual gifts of wisdom, and understanding and with the gifts of wisdom and understanding those will aid and enable us with the eyes of faith to penetrate and contemplate and appreciate the significance and meaning of many of the ceremonies without necessarily needing detailed explanations because we have spiritual powers to do just that of course the saints know this and that's why Saint Teresa of Avila used to say quote I would give my life for a single ceremony of the church. Close quote. I would give my life for the single ceremony of the church. Starting right now, let's begin to practice contemplation through the senses. Let's beg the Blessed Virgin Mary to guide us to the point where when we say something beautiful, we can truly speak from the heart and say along with St. Simon Sallow, be quiet, be quiet. Don't reproach me for not loving that God who has made you so beautiful for my sake that I might be persuaded to love him. I've already heard you, now stop, cease, be quiet. And most especially, let's beg the Blessed Virgin that our contemplation will penetrate so deeply into the spiritual mysteries hidden in the visible ceremonies here on the altar that each one of us will be able to honestly say with St. Teresa of Avila I would give my life for a single ceremony of the church.